The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Well, I'd like to talk to you today about the times when God doesn't meet your expectations. That's probably not something that you'd usually say, God didn't meet my expectations. But there's times in all of our lives when we have plans or or we just have expectations of how our kids will turn out or how our health will be or how our relationships will go or how our, our work will go. And we have these expectations and, and God's plan doesn't line up with them. And in this series, we're seeing that, that Jesus is something more, uh, more than a teacher, more than just a moral example for us to follow. But today we're going to see that very often God's plan is something more than we expect. And in the Christmas story today, uh, we're going to look at a, a number of people who add an expectation of what Messiah should look like. And when Jesus came along, he was so different from what they expected that the vast majority of them missed God walking among them. And still today, even for those of us who know Christ and, and follow Christ and we read his word, there are often areas in our lives where we are so set on expecting that God has to work this way according to my plan that we miss him in our lives. Jesus is more than expected, but sometimes in the moment, it seems like his plan is less than what you expected. But I want to send you out of here today. We're kind of going to tear down our expectations of the ways we expect God to work. And that might be a little painful for some of us. But my hope, my prayer, what I've been praying for you this morning is to send you out of here built up and encouraged to go from here knowing that, hey, you know, what God is doing in my life, it sure seems smaller or different or harder than I expected, but I have faith, I have trust, I have confidence that it's actually much, much better. I was thinking about this word expectation and expecting, and I've always thought it's funny that when a woman is with child or pregnant, that we say she's expecting. She's expecting, you know, there's the the good book, what to expect when you're expecting. And uh, to me, it's one of these words that I, I, it doesn't fully make sense. There's a lot of words like that with, associated with pregnancy. Uh, in fact, the first time we got pregnant, I learned a whole new vocabulary. There were words that I had never heard of before, like progesterone and ovulation and Bumbo and pack and play. There's a whole category of products that you didn't know existed that all have their own special names. And there's all these words that go with pregnancy. I remember when I was a little boy, uh, my mom told me that she was going to the church. She was going to go to a shower with a whole bunch of other ladies from the church. And I just could not get my mind around how are they all going to fit into a shower and don't babies don't usually go into showers all these funny words associated with pregnancy jack's kind of in that phase right now the other day mel told him jack you need to slow down and listen you're really pushing my buttons right now and jack got really serious and he goes mom 
you have buttons? It was, it really, really freaked him out. But, you know, expecting is one of those words because, you know, you, you can watch videos, you can read what to expect when you're expecting, you can talk to other young parents. But really, no matter what you expect, reality is just going to blow your expectations out of the water, right? Uh, in my case, you know, nothing could have prepared me for what we got. There was what I expected, but nothing could have prepared me for the joys, the thrills, the deep warmth. And no one could have prepared me for how loud that cry is in the middle of the night. No one could have prepared me for how needy a newborn is, how they do not care about your schedule. They do not care about your sleep. We were expecting, but we got so much more than we expected. And there's times like that in all of our lives. There's times when you get exactly what you expect, right? You, you, you go to Starbucks and you order a drink and you get exactly what you expected. And then there's other times when you, you, know, you see a puppy or you decide to have a baby and you end up just getting so much more than you expected. I think Mel probably feels that way about about me. <laughs> she got a little more than, than she bargained for. Well, I wonder, you know, what do you expect when you hear the name Jesus? Do you expect anything? Do you, do you expect a manger? Do you expect a tiny baby? Do you expect kind of a Santa Claus in the sky who, you know, you go about your life and if you're more nice than naughty, then, you know, he'll kind of throw you some presents in your life. Do you uh, expect Almighty God, who's all-powerful, but maybe he's kind of distant. Maybe he's not too concerned with your life. I wonder what you expect when you hear the word Christ. Uh, do you expect a, a desperate TV evangelist begging for money? Do you expect religious games? Do you expect peace and joy and comfort? In God's word today, we're going to see that we sometimes miss God's bigger plans because we expect him to do things our way. And, and as humans, many of us are guilty of clinging so tight to our expectation of how God should work that we miss the bigger ways that he really is working. Christ's plan for you is so much more than expected. We're going to see this today in a, a number of texts in the Christmas story. Let's start in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read in Luke chapter 1. We're going to see how Mary's life in God's plan was so much different than Mary expected. And there were a lot of times when it must have seemed a whole lot worse than what she had planned. A number of times when the thought must have crossed her mind, okay, you know, my plan would have worked better than God's plan. We find Mary in one of these positions here in, in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Mary's engaged. She's expecting a wedding. That's her expectation. So she's probably thinking about things like, you know, ancient uh, bridesmaids and, you know, wedding stuff. I don't think they had invitations at the time, but, you know, all the details that go into a wedding, this is 
for, for most young ladies, what they look forward to their entire lives. Mary's this, this young woman. She's been betrothed. She's planning out her wedding. She's so excited. And then all of a sudden, God totally interrupts her plan for her life. His plan is so different from what she expected. So let's read about it in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, if you're wondering why Mary's greatly troubled, remind yourself of, of some other texts where we've studied what angels actually look like. You guys remember Isaiah 6? There's these great beasts with wings. Uh, I mean, these things are massive, muscular. Some of them have eyes that cover their whole bodies. You know, our, our little hallmark idea of, of, of a kind of ceramic angel with a halo is not so much in Scripture, okay? Angels are powerful beings. Uh, and so that's why every time an angel shows up, they tend to say, don't be afraid, fear not. Because obviously when you see one of these things, you are fearing, okay? So just by this angel showing up to Mary, uh, her plans, uh, things are not going as she expected, Verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child. Now, now to her, those would have seemed like contradictions, okay? That'd be like uh, someone telling you, you found favor with God. Your house is going to burn down. You know, have, getting pregnant before being married at this time, that this was a serious, you know, there, there were still villages where you could get stoned to death for that. This was a big deal. Not only, you know, would she most likely get divorced, but she could become an outcast. She could become poor and destitute for the rest of her life. Mary, you've found favor with God. Here's his plan for you. The last thing that you would want to happen. And you're going to give birth to a son and give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, now that's, that's sounding a little better. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary's response, Lord, let it be our response when your plans are different for our lives. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I want you to think with me for a moment about the roller coaster of expectations that Mary was on. Okay, we've covered the kind of the first uh, gigantic drop on this roller coaster. She's expecting to get married, and now she finds out God's plan is you're going to be pregnant out of wedlock before you're married. Uh, but not only that, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Wow, okay. 
Well, well, then this baby, Messiah, God who's with us, Emmanuel, arrives. And again, it does not go as expected. You know, think about it if you're Mary. Mary might have expected, okay, um, you know, once I get through this whole being the embarrassment of being pregnant thing, at least the baby I'm going to have is, is God, right? There's probably some benefits that go with that. I mean, maybe my life's going to be a little more comfortable since the child I'm raising is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? I, I'd probably expect that. Well, instead it was the opposite. Her family uh, is hunted by one of the greatest, uh, most powerful world leaders of the time, right? Herod decides to hunt her family and they have to flee to Egypt. And then we're going to see they take, when they take Jesus to the, to the temple to dedicate him, a prophet stands up and a prophet says, yeah, this is Messiah. And, and, uh, Mary, a sword is going to pierce your soul. So th- there you go with your, with your comfortable life, right? This just does not go. This is just a roller coaster for Mary. Her expectations time and again do not get met. Can any of you relate to that? You ever feel that way? I love God. I'm serving God. I'm, I'm trying my best to follow him. I know I'm not perfect, but man, it's like the rug gets pulled out from under my feet sometimes. I know I felt that way back in September when we all got pumped up to have gather on the grass over at the YMCA. And, you know, we, we gave out all these invites and we invited so many people and we planned and we prepared and we worked. And, and the forecast said that it wasn't going to rain that morning. And, and, and we woke up, and I remember sitting and just watching the rain start to fall out the window and, and being like, okay, Lord, just let the rain stop, you know, when we need to start. Well, God's plan was very different from my expectations. Does that mean that God's not with us? Does that mean that God's not for us? Does that mean that God doesn't have a good plan. We all have gather on the grass moments in our lives, right? In fact, I was talking about this with the staff earlier this week, and I I think if we're honest, most of us expect our lives, we expect that, you know, I'll generally be in good health, my marriage will generally be good, I'll generally be advancing in my career, my kids will do well, they'll be successful, they'll love me. Don't most of us kind of expect life to play out like that? Do you know anyone whose life plays out like that? Not if you know them very well. If you know people well, no matter how comfortable they look, if you really get into their lives, they have problems. We all have problems. And as I'm reflecting on 2013 and and looking back on, God, what have you done this year? What do you have for us in 2014? I've realized that, you know, a lot of times I have unrealistic expectations, that nothing will go wrong, that there won't be any problems. Well, let's ask this question for you. In what ways has God not met your expectations? You asked for physical healing from a sickness. You prayed, you trusted, you expected it. God hasn't, he hasn't done it. You've been praying for the salvation of a loved one for years, hasn't happened yet. You prayed for a job, it hasn't happened. Maybe you prayed for Mitt Romney to be president, that didn't happen. One of the difficulties of faith in God 
in this fallen world is the times when your motives are really right. I mean, if you're like me, it's a lot of work just to get your motives pure. And then there are times when you finally do. And it still doesn't go as you expected. So today, I kind of want to take you by the hand. And, and the first thing we're going to do is, is be honest about these areas. We have them. You have these areas. Here's where you expected God to work. Here's what he did. It's different. A lot of times, we just never acknowledge those areas. But, but today, the first thing we're going to do is just, you know, let's be honest about those. Let's bring those before the Lord. Those are deep hurts. And then once we've done that, I want to help you expect and regain your confidence that just because God isn't working the way you expect, it doesn't mean that he's not working. And just because it might look like his plan is smaller than you expected, the reality is his plan is actually bigger. And it looks like he's doing something worse than you expected. But if you're a follower of Christ today, the reality is that in the big scheme, his plan is way better than you expected. <laughs> I was eating breakfast this morning at a, at a restaurant and typing away on my computer and this family came in and there's this giant machine uh, with blinking lights. It's like one of those things where the arm goes down and you can get a stuffed animal, you know? And uh, the, the, this little kid is with the family and he walks in and he's like, whoa. And the mom goes, oh, those aren't for little kids. And I'm sitting there thinking, those are exactly for little kids. Like, what a lie, you know? These parents lie to their kids over and over, and then their kids become teenagers and lie to them, and they're like, what's going on? You know? The point is, Satan wants you to think that God is that kind of parent. He wants you to think that because your expectations and God's plan are different, God's that kind of parent. He doesn't want you to have fun. He doesn't want to tell you the truth. That is Satan who wants you to think that. Do you remember the Garden of Eden? Here's Eve, and God has this perfect place for her, and Satan comes and says, did God really say that? He, did, he doesn't really have your best in mind. Eve, there's more to the story. You, you can't trust God to look out for you. You need to look out for yourself. And so often, we have an expectation, it doesn't work out the way we want, that's okay, that's normal, that's how it was for Mary, that's how it was for John the Baptist, who after saying, this is Messiah, would send his disciples and say, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Because even I, as the prophet who proclaimed you Messiah, it's just not what I expected. Okay, it's normal when what you expect and what God does aren't the same thing, it's normal. But, but the sad thing is Satan often gets in there and he says, see, see, God's not really looking out for you. You can't really trust God. He doesn't really have your best interest in mind. The reality is that God is for you, that he's always with you, that, that he goes before you, that he's with you when you're hurting. And just like Mary and Joseph and so many others who the plan of Messiah was so different from what they expected. God's plan is bigger and it's better. And we're going to leave here today trusting more in it. So here's another point for us. When God isn't working the way you expect, 
It's not because he doesn't care about you, okay? He is not like that parent that I saw at the restaurant this morning. He's not lying to you. It's that he loves you more than you know, and he knows more than you know. One of my favorite things about the Christmas story, when we look at the characters of it, is the characters who aren't there. You realize for 400 years, God's people have been waiting for Messiah. And there's a lot of God's people at this time, and there's a lot of really official, highfalutin, powerful people of God at this time, who've memorized books and books of the Bible. And Messiah shows up, and they miss him because of their expectation. I mean, think about this. Here's, you know, uh, there's just a, a small group of people who really understand who Messiah is at this time. There's Mary and Joseph. They only know because these angelic beings came and freaked them out, right? There's um, Elizabeth and her husband. They know uh, also because of some pretty supernatural stuff. There's Herod, he knows. That's kind of weird, right? All God's people miss it, but Herod knows, or at least he's intimidated at the thought of another king. There's the shepherds who, you know, probably didn't show up at the temple very often, probably weren't that religious of people. They know, because the angels appear to them. There's these wise men who aren't even Jewish, aren't even God's people. Okay, you know, what's, what's missing from the picture? God's people. The people who are, are waiting for Messiah, most of them are missing from the picture. And, and here's why. People were expecting a political ruler who would put them on top and make their lives more comfortable. This is a, people were expecting a political ruler. This is what they're expecting. They wanted deliverance from Rome, right? Instead, Jesus came to save them from sin and to be God with us, Emmanuel. But they're so stuck on, he needs to be, you know, he needs to be like King David. He needs to come in on a chariot with an army on the ground of physical men and swords, and they need to overtake Rome, and they need to make my life more comfortable. That's what Messiah is supposed to look like, right? That, that was the mindset. But, but sadly, we're going to see that we sometimes fall into the same thing today. Sometimes I think, well, Jesus exists to make my life more comfortable here on this earth. And, and when we do that, we're, we're missing him the same way that so many of his people missed him at this time. Of course, this is the whole point of Christmas. This is the whole point of the gospel or the good news. That, that this world is broken. That it, it, you know, this is the tearing down part of our expectations, okay? This world is tainted. No matter how good it ever gets, there's always going to be, it's going to be somewhat tainted in this life. It's going to be somewhat broken. No, no matter how good it gets. Why? Because sin is here. Sin is present. Sin exploded in the Garden of Eden and it has infected all of human history. It's in our bodies, which will die. It's in our relationships, which are broken. It's in the weather patterns. I mean, th this world is broken. And part of really understanding Christmas is, is changing our expectation a little bit to, 
God's going to make my life perfect now to God's going to deliver me from here to a kingdom that is new and a heaven that is new and a place that is perfect. But until then, like Mary, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. That's why Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. So let's look at two uh, passages that demonstrate this. Matthew one twenty one. She will give birth to a son. This is an angel talking to Joseph. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God's people thought they needed deliverance from Rome. But God knew what they actually needed deliverance from was their sins. I remember a time in college when a, 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 uh, a professor in a writing class, I handed in this paper and, and she gave it back and it was a certain grade. It was a letter grade lower than I expected. And she, and, and she said, see me about this. And I went up and talked to her and she said, you know, um, if someone else had done this paper, it'd be this letter grade. But I, I know you put this together last night in about two hours and I know you're capable of more. So I'm grading you down a letter. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, that's just unjust. That's just wrong, right? But th- this professor kind of, she, she saw who I was. She saw how I operated in life. She saw I'd kind of skate by in different areas. And she said, I, you know, I'm going to be the teacher who calls him out on it. And she did. And you know what? That was totally in my best interest. It was totally in my best interest. She, she saw a bigger picture than I did. And I don't know if that's the best illustration of that, but there's times in your life when it seems like, okay, God graded me down a grade. Why? And it's because he sees more than you do. He knows more than you do. He does have your best interest in mind. You think you need deliverance from your boss or from your spouse, or, or, or you think that the ultimate thing would just be the perfect you know, family Christmas or whatever, but God sees that you have way greater needs. Deliverance from sin, contentment. How about eternal life? And he says, I'm going to meet what are actually your greatest needs because I see more than you do. Here's another verse about that in Matthew 1.23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, the, the people of the time, they wanted God to be for them and to put them on top of the world system. And God said, instead, I, I'm just going to come down and be with you. I'll walk with you through this broken world system. And I'll actually use you to start my process of redemption, of healing this broken system. So here, let's draw some principles out. First, when God doesn't meet your expectations, he's doing something bigger than you expected. He's doing something bigger than you expected. But at the time, this seemed a lot smaller than expected, right? They wanted a, they wanted a, a grizzled warrior king to ride in on a chariot, and they get a, a crying baby. This seems a lot smaller than they expected at the time, right? But like our intro video showed us, like 2,000 years of history show us, Even if you don't believe in the supernatural, it's just a given. They got a lot more than just another king in world history, right? And supernaturally, they got so much more than they expected. But at the time, it looked like less. 
That's going to happen in your life sometimes too. Luke 2 verse 32 says that Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles. So not only is this bigger in time, it's going to stretch a lot more than 30 or 40 years of a king, but this reaches way more people. You know, the idea of Messiah coming for the Gentiles as well as for them, well, that, that was a little bit different than they expected. Still today, there are many churches and ministries that talk about Jesus as essentially someone who just comes to make your life better now. But we see in the opening scenes of Christ's life that it's, it's so much bigger than that. He's the central figure of human history. Someday, he'll be the central figure of heaven. He'll be on that throne where, where every living being is worshiping him. And in the same way, God's plan for you is so much bigger than just being comfortable now. He doesn't just want to grant you a few wishes while, while you travel through this pit of a planet and make your life a little more comfortable down here. And he does give peace and joy and abundant life, but ultimately he wants to take you to a place that's so much bigger, so much better. So you know, what have your expectations of Jesus been? Just to make my life better now or to take me somewhere better forever? God's plans are bigger than you expect, even though they may look smaller. You may know the verse from 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, into the mind of man. In other words, you cannot imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. I mean, think about that. There's nothing your eyes have ever seen, you know, in, in Hawaii or Beverly Hills or anywhere. There's nothing your eyes have seen that, that even compare to what he has for you. There's no sound you've ever heard. Your favorite song, the most beautiful sound to you, nothing like what you're going to be hearing for eternity. The, if you spent your whole life imagining what the best potential life would be, it falls short. You can't even imagine what God has planned for you. His plans are bigger. Next, we see this. When God's plan is not as easy or pain-free as expected, he's doing something better than expected. Not only is his plan bigger, it's also better. The Christmas story was not pain-free, certainly not for Mary. I don't think they had epidurals at the time. So, you know, when you're hurting, when you're hurting, don't miss the better ways that God wants to work because you're so absorbed in your hurt or you're so attached to your expectation. Remember that roller coaster we talked about for Mary? Here's some more dips on it. Luke 2, verse 34. Simeon, who's been waiting for Messiah his whole life. Simeon had been told by God, you're going to see Messiah before you die. And year after year, decade after decade, he just kept waiting. And in his last, last moments on earth, he goes to the temple and there's little, little baby infant Messiah. And he holds him. And here's one of the things he says. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Luke 2.34. How would you like that, you know, on a baby dedication Sunday, you know? If one of the pastors said, oh, precious little, 
precious, precious little Chloe here. She's going to cause many people to fall and be spoken against. Hmm. I mean, that, that's what happened at Jesus' baby dedication. And then, and then he turns to the mother, to Mary, verse 35, Luke 2, 35. And a sword will pierce your soul too, mother. God bless you. Soul will pierce your sword. Pain doesn't mean that God's not working. Pain doesn't mean that he's abandoned you. Pain means that you're in a fallen world with the rest of us. And God is working. Whether there's pain, maybe you're in a place you don't feel anything. God's still working, whether you feel it or not. No matter what you feel, he's working. If you've placed your faith in him, we've got to tear down this expectation that his plans have to align with our comfort and our feelings. But we've got to build up this expectation that no matter what we feel or how uncomfortable we are or how different it is from what we expect, God is working. He is faithful. He does have a plan. It's better than ours. It's bigger than ours. It's more eternal than ours. So that takes us to number three. Don't give up because God hasn't worked as you expected or as quickly as you expected. told you about Simeon. We hear about him here in Luke 2.25. He was righteous and devout. It had been revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen God's Messiah, the Christ. He'd waited years and years. Sometimes there's ways that our expectation isn't necessarily what God promised, but we cling to it anyways. And there's other times where we do start off expecting what God promised, but it just takes so long that somewhere along the way we kind of give up. We kind of stop praying. And I'm certainly not here today to say, don't expect God to do great things in your life. I'm saying, don't expect him to work the way that you thought but do expect him to work and do expect him to do greater than what you expected. Do cling to his promises. Don't cling to your expectations of how he needs to work, but do cling to his promises. Simeon had a promise here. You're going to see Messiah before you breathe your last breath. When it seemed impossible, when it seemed like he'd waited his whole life, he just kept clinging to that promise. Not to his feelings, not to his expectations, but to God's promise. I wonder how many things have you given up on that God has promised? Have you stopped praying about something that you knew God had promised and it's just taken so much longer than expected? God desires for that loved one to come to Christ. He desires for all people to come to salvation. Keep praying. That marriage, is it beyond healing? He desires to heal marriages. What's our expectation? That God can do anything. Think of how many decades Simeon had waited. And when so many others who were waiting for Messiah had just given up, And then the others who were waiting for Messiah, they were clinging to their idea of what it had to be. Simeon was instead clinging to God's promise. 
and open to, hey, whatever that, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't have any expectations except that God's going to keep his promise. That's my expectation. Simeon just kept waiting, kept believing. Some of you have heard of uh, George Mueller, one of the great prayer warriors of Christian history. Got some notes here from Mueller's journal taken from a biography about him. In November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without intermission, whether sick or in health, on land or on sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagements, I prayed for these five. Eighteen months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. Okay, he's praying every day, no matter what, for these five. After a year and a half, the first one comes to salvation. I thanked God and prayed on for the four others. Five years elapsed, and the second one was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for the three and went on praying for the two. These two remained unconverted. And there's a note in his journal years later. I've been praying day by day for nearly 36 years for the conversion of these two individuals. And yet they remain unconverted. But I hope in God. I pray on and look yet for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. Well, the biographer documents that in 1897, shortly after Mueller himself passed away, those two came to the Lord. Is there someone that you were praying for? Something that you know God does want to do this, but it's just been taking so long that you've, you've given up on it. Pastor Dan, one of our pastors here, many of you know him. When Dan was 50, he was an alcoholic. He didn't know the Lord came to salvation, and after he did, found out that his, his brother and his brother's family, they'd been praying for him for years. Pastor Clovis, his grandma, used to always pray that one of her boys would go into ministry and be a pastor. And she had two boys, and neither of them did. She kept praying. And one of her grandsons, little Clovis, went into pastoral ministry. God answered her prayer that one of her boys would go into ministry. So expect God to work. Don't expect him to do what, what we think, but do expect him to keep his promises. Have this kind of mindset. I know the Lord will deliver. I don't know how, but I know he will. I, I, I don't know when, but I'm certain. I know my Lord and he will deliver. Live with great expectations. So that's our final point. Do cling daily to the promises of God's word. Expecting him to do greater things than we know in his perfect timing. Simeon and Anna, they touched Christ in the temple because Luke 2 tells us they were, quote, waiting for the consolation of Israel and, quote, looking forward to the redemption. And, and you know what? I'm so looking forward to the day when Christ returns. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of things I do pray for in this life. Sometimes they happen, sometimes they don't. But I know that day when I, when I breathe my final breath and cross that finish line or when I see Christ burst through the clouds, oh man, it's going to be like that moment for Simeon and Anna. I waited my whole life for this. That's what it is to walk by faith. 
and not by sight. Would you, would you stand together? Let's pray together. Father, right now uh, we come to you as a, a room full of people with broken expectations. And, and right now, Lord, uh, w- with, with open hands, we lay before you how we expected our health to be, how we expected our career to go, how we expected our marriage to go. There are so many things, Lord, in this life that, that just have not worked out the way that we thought. Lord, forgive us for the times when we listen to the whispers of our enemy who says that you don't have our best interest in mind. Father, today we just drive it deep into our hearts and our souls that when what you do is not what we expect, Lord, it may seem like your plans are smaller. It may seem like you've abandoned us. But in faith, Lord, we believe your plans are bigger. Your plans are better. Lord, like Simeon and Anna, we cling to your promises. So so right now, Lord, we, we let go of our expectations, how we expect you to work. But we cling so tightly to your promises that eye has not seen, that ear has not heard what you have planned for those of us who love you, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you're a friend who's closer than a brother, that as impossible as it seems, you truly do work all things together for the good of those who are called. Lord, we cling to your promises. Make us a people who cling to you, who freely let go of our expectations, but who cling so tightly to the expectation that you will keep your promises. You will deliver your people. You will redeem us. You will save us. You will take us to be with you for eternity. Lord, we love you so much. We give you all of our expectations. Lord, I think of that man who came to you for healing and he said, uh, I believe, help my unbelief. There are many in here today who say, ah, yeah, God hasn't worked the way I expected, but I just can't believe that he actually has a good plan. Would you, would you help our unbelief? Just strengthen our weak knees and our weak faith that we would trust in you more than our circumstances, that we'd trust your promises more than our expectations. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.